let's get right into our word this morning, okay? Family values, and we're going to wrap it up. I'm going to preach a message today entitled, All in the Family. All in the Family. Paul writing in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, uh, we'll begin verse number, uh, number 7. Let me get back there. Here's what Paul writes. He said, but we were gentle among you, just as a nursing mother cherishes her own children. So, affectionately longing for you, we were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but also of our own lives, because you had become dear to us. For you remember, brethren, our labor and toil for laboring night and day, that we might not be a burden to any of you. We preach to you the gospel of God. You are witnesses, and God also, how devoutly and justly and blamelessly we behaved ourselves among you who believe. As you know, how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father does his own children, that you would walk worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. For this reason, we also thank God without ceasing, because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you welcomed it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which also effectively works in you who believe. May the Lord add his blessing to his word this morning. As I said, we're going to wrap up our series this morning on, uh, uh, on the family. And, and I said at the very beginning that this would be a short series, and, and really it's been a wonderful series. It really has come at a, at a, at a wonderful time. We've actually had people uh, that, uh, I mean, God's really, the, the testimonies that I'm hearing from people where God is working on their marriage, He's working on their families. Uh, the Word of God is effective and powerful. And whenever the Word of God is declared, there ought to be some response. The, there, there ought to be something that takes place when we hear the anointed Word of God. It is transformative. It, it, it takes us where we are, and it transforms us. And, and so we've been talking about the, uh, the, the family, and, and I want you to understand, I've said it probably every time, I'm a family man. I believe in the family. I, I, and, and as your pastor, I will tell you this morning, I am committed to you to do all that we can as a church body to walk with you in this great adventure called family. How many know it is a great adventure? If you're struggling in this area, whether it's your marriage or parenting, uh, and you're looking for a place, I want you to understand there is a place here where you can find mutual support. Again, I've talked about family, uh, the fam ministry, family and marriage ministry. That was birth. It was a God thing. Uh, the way One day I'll tell you how it came about, but it was one of those things that God deposited within my spirit. It is a place that we created for mutual support and encouragement. They have a Sunday school class that meets right up here uh, on the backside of the balcony on, at 945 on Sundays, and then they have their gathering out at the barn. They talk about things like marriage topics. They talk about parenting topics, and what I'm saying is that if you're struggling, surround yourself with people who are committed to Christ and to each other to navigate the tricky waters that we live in right now. How many understand the, the family unit is under attack? It, the, the pressure that we see in our families today, and I don't mean anything political by this, but, but we have a society that has tried to redefine uh, what the family is about. They tried to redefine the family. They have tried to convince us that a man can be a woman and a woman can be a man and that a man can get pregnant. They tried to convince us and change the original order in which God has created everything. And it has brought mass confusion and, and, it, and it really saddens me that there are churches that are struggling with this identity. There is no struggle. 
God made in the very beginning man and woman, male and female. That's what he created. And then he established the family in the Garden of Eden. And when God kicked man out of the garden, the only thing that he allowed to be taken out of paradise was that covenant relationship between husband and wife. They became family. The family is a powerful thing. I I, I mentioned last week that in order for us to have a strong family, then we have to begin with a strong marriage. One of the reasons a lot of families are in trouble today is because they have weak marriages. Their marriages are more of a war zone than they are a place of harmony and of peace. And that's got to change, church. That has to change. And the family, uh, excuse me, the, the church is the best place to teach the origin of family and walk alongside families as they struggle through this thing, uh, the, the, the tricky waters of the 2020, uh, 2023. Again, it's changing rapidly. Uh, so for us to have a strong family, we do have to start with a strong marriage. Once we shore up the foundation of marriage, now we focus on parenting God's way. How many know that this book is applicable to your, parent, your parenting skills? You know, one of the things I love about uh, reading the Bible is that you'll never, you'll never come across a situation in life that you can't glean the wisdom of God from His Word. It'll tell me how to be a better dad. It'll tell me how to be a better husband. It will tell me how to be a better person. Again, this book is the guidepost. That's why David said, your word is a lamp unto my feet and it is a, a light unto my pathway. It illuminates those dark crevices and helps me navigate through the tricky waters of modern life. You know, as parents, one of the goals that we have is we want our children to move from a level of dependence to independence. Now, if you've experienced that, uh, one of the most liberating times of your life will be when you get your children graduated out of high school and college and out on their own. Amen? Some of, uh, well, you know what? Maybe you're like me. I used to say that. I always talked about getting my kids off payroll. Thought, man, what a great day that's going to be when my children get off payroll. You know, but, but the reality is I, I love being a dad. I love being a a father, I, I, I love my children being around me, and, and after having empty nest syndrome for a long time, uh, I mean, I, I would love, I love my family. I love being together. Uh, now that I'm a granddad, I love it even more. You know, there's just something that just ups the ante when you're a grandparent. It's just, uh, you know, but we want to do that. We want to move our children from a level of dependence to independence. There was two kids that were talking about their parents, and one of the boys said, he said, you know, I'm really worried about my parents. The other boy said, well, why is that? He said, well, you know, my dad, my dad slaves away at his job so that he could get me everything that I need. He said, he slaves away at his job so that he can buy me what I need and what I want and so that one day I'll be able to attend to a college that I want to go to. And he said, my mom, my mom's always busy. She's hard at work. She's washing the clothes. I know it sounds sexist and I don't mean it like that. But she's washing her clo- the clothes and doing the housework and she's driving me here and there and she ma- takes care of me when I'm sick and she cooks me really good meals and I'm really, I'm really worried about him. <laughs> the little boy said, what in the world do you have to be worried about? He said, I'm worried they're going to escape one day. <laughs> and I, I think there's probably a little, rea- little reality to that right there. You know, listen, here's the thing. Parents play a huge role in shaping what their children become. Again, I, you've heard me say for years, as I uh, pastored this church for almost 30 years, I've always said that we've got, we've got to be careful about what we say to our children. 
If you tell your children all the time, they're no good, they're no good, they're no good, and they'll never amount to anything, don't be surprised when they end up no good and never amount to anything. We as parents have to understand, we play a huge role in who they become in life. It's very important we understand that God gives us our children for a relative short time, and what we do with those years will stay with them for a lifetime and ultimately for all eternity. So Paul, in our text this morning, let me just kind of close it out. He, he talks about how parents can influence their children, and I love what he starts out with. It. The, fir- the first one I'll talk about is a father's influence. Again, notice what Paul's doing here. He's trying to show us how a parent is to impact or influence his family. So he talks about the first thing, a father's influence in verse number 11 and 12. He said, for you know that we dealt with each of you, notice what he says here, as a father deals with his own children. Now I'll pause there because I do understand that in our world today, not every father treats their children the way they ought to be treated. one 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 of the most aggravating things in this world is abusive parents. God help somebody that abuses a kid in front of me because I might have to start a jail ministry from the inside out. I can't stand that. I, I can't stand the thought of a parent uh, over, you know, just, just abusing their children. And so I understand as I say this this morning that not every, not every parent, not every father-child relationship is where it needs to be. And that's unfortunate. I would simply say we do have a heavenly father who is perfect in all of his ways. And sometimes we, in this life, we lack, but he provides and we go to him. But, but notice what he said. He said, for I want you to understand that, that I, we've dealt with you just like a father deals with his children. You know, it's been said that a mother that mothers tend to worry about their children's safety and security. Fathers focus on their children's success. A mother frets over things like tender, loving care, while the father pushes their children hard because they know the world we live in is is, is easily to, where failure is easy and success is difficult. The thing is, both of those are necessary. If you're going to build and, and, and influence your child in the future, both of those are needed. You need hard, strong parenting, and you need tender, loving care to let them know the world is not a pushover. You know, I, I love seeing children that have grown up, and now they get out in the world, and they have this thing where they say, you know, adulting is way overrated. Anybody ever heard somebody say something like that? Adulting is way overrated. What that means is they get out in reality, and they're not ready for reality. You know, every 30 days, you got bills that come in, you got a mortgage to pay, you got electricity, uh, inflation, you've got, I mean, just all kinds of things. You go to the grocery store, what you could buy for $2.50 last month is now $5 this month. Yeah, isn't that the truth? And, and, and so they're overwhelmed. <laughs> they're overwhelmed. So Paul said, hey, you influence your children. So, so how did we influence our children? Well, Paul outlines three things for us. Number one, Again, he's talking to dads and dad's influence because dads tend to influence the family. He, he's that strong one. And, and listen, ladies, let your, let your husband be a man. I, I, I don't want to run that thing. I don't, I don't want to jump on that, 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 that rabbit trail. But let your man be a man. We have effeminized our society to the point where we've got pansies running around everywhere. We need men. Amen. 
We need, we need men. Our children need men. You gotta understand, we need men. I, I'm, I'm going to leave it at that because i got a lot to say about that one. But, but Paul said, as a father, what is a father's influence like? Well, the first thing, and again, we talk about, you know, like that. Well, here's what he says. We, what does a father do? Well, the first thing, encouraged you. Notice what he said in verse 12. We encouraged you. Now think about that. The word encouraged in the Greek means to come alongside someone who is struggling and help them out. That's what it means. As a dad, I'm, I'm to be a cheerleader for my, for my children. As a dad, I'm to come alongside of them and let them know, hey, you can do this. You can get this done. I, I believe in you. I, I used to brag on my children all the time. I still brag on my children, but I always called them what I knew they could be. I wanted them to understand that out of all the people on the planet, there was somebody who believed in them, who believed that they could do whatever they put their mind to. And today, I still believe my children can accomplish anything they put their mind to. Paul said, we encouraged you as a father does his children. We came alongside. It's the idea, what he does, the, the, the word picture in the Greek is like, a, it's like you see somebody running a race. You ever seen those videos where you have a track and field star and they're running their race and, and they, man, they just burn out. And they get towards the finish line and they just can't go on anymore. And then you have this, you have this guy that comes up and, and rather than running to finish his race, you see those guys turn back and they go over there and they put their arm around that guy and they pick him up and they run with them. You ever seen those videos? Isn't that heartwarming to know that there are still people today that if they see you stumbling, they're going to stop and they're going to pick you up and they're going to carry you across the finish line, even if it costs them the race. See, that's the idea that Paul picks up here. He says, as a father, we come alongside our children and we encourage them. We, we support them. Listen, early on, our children look at us as their heroes. And, uh, you know, they want to please. I mean, you look at a child, a child, a child wants to please mom and dad. I mean, you, you watch, a, watch a, a little boy go up and play t-ball. And when that boy hits that ball that, off the tee, what does he do? He looks back to see if mom and dad's watching. Because in his eyes, you're their hero, and he wants that approving nod. It's like a little girl that does her cheer routine, or maybe she sings in the Christmas pageant, and, and she, she can be standing there singing, and there could be 500 people there, but she's singled out on you because she wants to know that mom and dad approve. See, that's what Paul said. As a father, your influence is you're to encourage, you're to encourage your children, you're to influence them by coming alongside of them and challenging or helping them. And then the second thing he said, not only do we encourage, but we also comfort. We comfort. What does that mean? It means invest in your relationship with your children. And you know what? If you'll do that, it reaps huge rewards. I, I, love, I love hanging with my family. I love my children. I love my grandchildren. I love the time we get to spend together. It does something to me. You know, when Sheila, when Sheila had her stroke in 2012, Audrey was born the next year, wasn't it? Uh, my little grand, well, she's not little anymore. Audrey Claire was born the year later. And, and I tell, I tell uh, my daughter all the time, she did something for my heart when she was born. You know, I, I was going through a real difficult time watching the transition of my wife from being a a uh, helpmate to someone who is totally dependent upon me every day. And when that little girl came into to our lives, 
it just, it just did something for me. It, it just, I, love, I love that feeling. And, and listen, if you invest in your relationship with your children, you know, there's something comforting about being at home. I don't care how long you've been away. I mean, I understand what I'm talking about. There's something nostalgic. When you go back home, there's just something there. You know, when I, I ran away from home when I was a junior in high school in 1985, uh, well, in 1984, well, no, I'm sorry, that would have been 83. I graduated in 84. I left Mobile in 85. So I've been away from home for a long time, but there was always something about going back home that was so comforting. I felt good when I went home. In fact, there are times when we go back to visit family in Mobile, Alabama, and I find myself still driving. You know, what do we call it? We call it by the old place. Anybody do that? Let's go by the old place. Because there's something comforting about that. There's something about, even though I didn't have the greatest family dynamic at that moment, there was something comforting about being there. You know, I, I, when I was growing up, I would go, to, I, we lived next door to my grandmother. And every day I'd go to my grandmother's house after school. Uh, and, and, and listen, that's a wonderful thing, by the way. I love being by my, my grandmother. Uh, so my family dynamics, you know, you, I've been very honest with you. I, I didn't have the greatest mom relationship with my mother. I didn't have that great relationship until a few couple years before she passed. But I would go to my grandmother's every day because at grandma's house, she always had a pot of tea on. So that's why I'm a tea drinker to this day. I don't drink coffee. I drink tea because I'd go into my grandma's house She'd say, have a cup of tea with me. And I'd, I'd drink a cup of tea. And she would always have snacks. Grandmas are good about having snacks. And they taste better at grandma's house than they do anywhere else. And my grandma had a listening ear. She had a listening ear. It brought me great comfort. Even to the point where today I can still envision going to my grandma's house, sitting there in that that old house that they had, sipping tea. And there was nothing fancy about grandma's tea. It was Lipton. It's just tea. When I, was, when I went to work with my dad, again, I ran away from home. I was 17. My dad still, he was, you know, a firefighter, and then on the side he had a roofing business. And so my dad, I still went to work with my dad because I still had to make money, right? So my dad let me go to work with him. And I'd go, I'd go sit in the truck, and as we traveled from job site to job site, uh, even though my dad preached his one sermon to me all the time, remember, he only had one sermon that he preached, and it was, boy, Jesus is coming, you better be ready. That's all he ever preached to me. But I remember sitting in that truck with my dad, hearing that, and there was something about that that just brought me great comfort. Because you know what? I knew my dad cared. In fact, when I, when I left Mobile, when I joined the Air Force and was being shipped out, uh, the church wanted, they did something, and I was, you know, I did a little presentation there at the church, and, and, uh, or they did for me, and I got up, and I said this. I said, Dad, all those years that I went to work with you, and I stared out the window because you kept preaching to me that one sermon that you knew. I'm sitting in the passenger seat. My eyes are gazing out the window. And my dad's, sitting, my dad's sitting here in the driver's seat preaching to me. And I'm sitting here and I'm just staring out the window. I said, Dad, every one of those things that you said to me, and you didn't think I was listening and you thought I was ignoring you, I said, Dad, I heard every word you said. I heard everything you said. And I am where I am today because my father 
I knew he cared about me, and I knew he wanted the best for me. I found comfort in my dad's presence and in his voice. And oh, if I could go back one more time and sit in a 1978 Ford pickup truck with my dad and listen to that one sermon one more time. Paul said, you know what? Just like a father, we encouraged you, we, we comforted you, and then here's the third thing he said, we challenged you. See, that's what, happened. that's what my dad was doing. My dad challenged me. My dad challenged me to be better uh, than I was. I, I, you know, and I know, this, I know this is hard to believe, but I wasn't always an angel. Well, it hurts when you laugh like that. <laughs> Just, I, 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 wasn't, I wasn't always an angel. I caused my parents a lot of grief. I know that's hard to believe, but in, in my teenage years, and again, when, when, I, when I left home, when I was a junior in high school, my, my dad never, you've heard me say this before, my dad never, he never chased me. My dad never, he never went after me trying to get me to come back home. My dad would look at me and say, son, I didn't raise you to be like that. That's what he said. I didn't raise you to be like that. You know what he was doing? He was challenging me to the core of my being because you know what? He was 100% correct. I wasn't raised to be like that. I wasn't raised to be a knothead, and that's what I was doing, okay? My dad, my, my dad never begged me to come home. My dad gave me space to come to myself. That's what the prodigal did, right? He gave me space to come to myself and find my way. He had challenged me almost on a daily basis with his words and with the life that he modeled. I've seen my dad stick out a hand and give a verbal commitment that he was going to do something, and my dad would do it. My dad would make a bid for a job, shake his hand, there was no contract involved, and he would do it exactly the way he said he was going to do it. I watched that growing up, and you know what? It made an, a difference in me. When I finally submitted to the call of God on my life, I remember preaching to my dad's church there in, in South Alabama, and a guy came to me after the service, and he said, you're Ed's son, aren't you? Can I tell you, my heart filled with pride, there was joy in my heart because my dad was a well-respected man and I wanted to be like him. I wanted to be like my dad. My, I, my character, my integrity are extremely important to me. I was telling an earlier service, you can call me anything you want to, you can say anything about me, but don't ever attack my integrity my character because they mean something, because they are a reflection of my father. I value those things. I do my best. If I give my word, I'm, I'm careful about giving my word, but if I give it, I'm going to do it because I saw my dad do that. He said, just like a father, we encourage our children, we comfort our children, we challenge them. We have to challenge our kids because the world is trying to mold them into, its, in, into, into what it wants them to be. We're to challenge them, challenge the system, challenge the world. And then he goes into... Not only does he talk about a father's influence, then he talks about a mother's love. He said in verse number seven, he said, but we were gentle among you like a mother caring for her own children. And again, the idea that he picks up here is a picture of a, a mother nursing her newborn. She knows that this little baby is totally helpless. This baby, the, the baby can't eat on its own, can't find food, can't survive without her. She not only has to feed him, she has to, and, and here's the thing, the food that she gives comes from within her body. So think of this. To nourish that child, she has to give from herself. 
Verse 8, Paul goes on to describe the extent of a mother's love. He goes on and says, We loved you so much that we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives also because you had become so dear to us. You know, a mother makes an investment in their children that a father will never understand. Let me say that again. A mother makes an investment in her children that a father will never understand. You know, we dad, you know dads come and go. Mothers are the ones who give themselves completely to their children. Can I say this? I know next week's Mother's Day. Mothers are irreplaceable. I mean, you, you, you watch an NFL football game. You got a 350-pound linebacker. They pan across that, that sideline, and there's this big old 350-pound, six-foot-eight six linebacker and what is he doing he's got a big grin on his face saying hi mom (laughs) moms are irreplaceable it seems we live in a time today when motherhood is looked down upon by many i read this i didn't realize but 10 years ago salon magazine gave the award they every year they do an award for the mother of the year working mother of the year 10 years ago salon magazine gave the working of the uh, working mother of the year award to a man who calls himself a mother 10 years ago. Now, again, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not chasing a rabbit. I'm just simply saying we live in a world that's nuts. And, and what I'm saying, moms, if there's a mom listening here, you need to understand you have tremendous influence over your children because of the way that you love. You, you are, if you're a mother, don't let society shame you. Don't let society devalue you or minimize your influence on the family. Listen, among the greatest contributions you have in the world today is how you raise your children. It's important. Listen, there are godly mothers and grandmothers who have prayed their children all the way to Jesus. And until he he comes, there will be more and more grandmas and mothers who will be praying their children to Jesus. Thank God for praying moms. That's why even Paul said to Timothy, he said, I, listen, the faith was in your grandmother and it was in your mother. And he said, I'm convinced it's in you. Why? Because if you've got a praying grandmother and a praying mother, a mother, mother, <laughs> hello, mother, hello. <laughs> if you've got, you got a praying grandmother and a praying mom, I'm telling you, you're going to get some Jesus on you because there's just something powerful about it. There's just something about a grand. Thank God for women of faith. Thank God for women who, moms and grandmas who know what it is to go to the war room and, and warfare for their children and their grandchildren. Paul said we, as he said, we dealt with you just like a father does his children. We encourage you, we comfort you, and we challenge you. And a mom comes along and nourishes you. And then he closes it out, and I'm just going to, I'm going to say it like this. I'm going to speak to the children and teens in the room today. Because you got a mom's responsibility, you got a dad's responsibility. Guess what? Children are not responsible, are not, what's the word I'm looking for? They are not without responsibility. Notice what he said in verse number 13. He said, We also thank God continually because when you received the word of God which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as it actually is, the word of God which is at work in you who believe. Now, now notice what he's doing here. He's given us the results of what happens when a godly dad and a godly mom work together to raise their children. Notice what he's not saying. He's not saying that there's competition within the ranks of the mom and the dad to see who's going to be the BFF of their children. 
He's given us the logical conclusion of when a godly father and a godly mother come together to work, to raise their children, this is what happens. That's verse 13. The logical result of a father's influence and a mother's love is that their children gladly accept the gospel of God. Again, I've, I've said it a hundred times, I'll, I'll keep saying it until I, until I retire, the Lord takes me home. I am where I am today because I had a godly father who influenced me, who impacted my life. Even when I didn't want to be impacted, even when I was out in the world doing all, uh, the funny thing is, when I, even, even when I was in the world, I totally rejected everything I was taught to believe. I don't know what's going on there. Even everything I was taught to believe, I rejected it outright. You know what, you know where you would find me every Sunday? In church, every Sunday, I wasn't living for him. In fact, I had totally turned my back on, but I was in church every Sunday because there was something inside that said, boy, get up and go to church. It was for my dad. My dad, I don't care if I stayed somebody's house on a Saturday night, my dad's coming by to pick me up because we was in church on Sunday. He'd already said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And there was, no, there, was no, there was no deviation from that. And I'd be in church. The logical conclusion is that if a godly mom and a godly dad work together, those children will come to know the Lord. Listen, many people today accept Jesus Christ at an early age. You know why? Because parents made it easy for them to do so. It's like a little child says to themselves, you know what? If, daddy, if mom and dad love Jesus, I ought to love Jesus too. If mom and dad love Jesus, I ought to, leave, I ought to love Jesus too. That's exactly what should happen in a Christian home. Listen, if, I go, if, if, if my Christian home is more like a war zone than it is a place, a nurturing zone, then no wonder our children are bailing out. Come down just a bit. No wonder our kids are bailing out. If I don't model in my home what I profess in the church... There's hypocrisy there, and our kids will see hypocrisy just like that. And they'll look through that. What I want to say this as I bring this message to a close, I want to say this to all the children and teenagers here. Listen to me. You have a huge part in play, to play in making the family a healthy and wholesome place to be. This is not all on the parents, okay? We, we've raised monsters in today's culture. Now, if you're a guest here today, I, I love family, I love children, I, I, but I'm just being real. We've raised monsters. We've convinced our children that they are the center of the universe. When I was a boy growing up, if I got in trouble at school, you know what happened? I got in trouble at home. Today, if little Johnny gets in trouble at, at school, daddy's going to be there at the principal's door demanding that the teacher be fired. Isn't that the truth? Or threatening to sue. And we've raised them with that mindset that they are now, the ones that have gone through that are now adult monsters. <laughs> and they're terrorizing our world. Listen, I want to say this to all the children that are here. You have, a, you have a huge role to play in making your family a healthy and wholesome place to be. You can heed God's word when he said, honor your father and your mother. And then the reward is this, that it may be well with you. Or... You can choose to be a brat and keep the household in, in disarray. It's your choice. You can choose to honor your father and your mother, which is the only command with promise. What's the promise? The promise is 
that you live long life and it will be well with you. I used to tell my children, you're not going to see teenage years. You're not going to make it there. Anybody have children like that? You're just not going to make You're not going to be 13, I'm telling you. You're not going to make it. <laughs> it's, a, it's a command with promise. If you want things to go well in your house, and I don't think that teenagers today necessarily want their house to be in, in an uproar all the time. Well, if you don't, then quit being a brat. Contribute to the family. Be a part of making it healthy and wholesome. And I know that's not something you're going to get from Dr. Phil, but this is Dr. Mike talking this morning. <laughs> How's that working out for you? Listen, you need to know that your parents are still a work in progress. How many understand that? Your parents are, st are still, there are going to be times when we as parents blow it and we're going to mess things up. It's just going to happen, okay? It's just going to happen. I mean, you got to realize, and again, I understand not all the parent-child parent relationships are where they need to be, where they need to be, and oftentimes it's the parent's fault. But that's not always the case. I mean, do you understand that for most parents, one of the most joyful days in their life is when you were born? I remember when my daughter was born in Wiesbaden, Germany in 1989. I remember that. I remember, I wasn't even going to go in the delivery room because I have, a, I have a, a, a gag reflex. And I, I wasn't even going to go in there. And we had sat all day long through... The induction, and, 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 and I don't you know, we'd gone overnight, and it was early morning, and I was tired, and all of a sudden, it was like, hey, it's time, and they threw me a gown, said, get it on and come on in. I wasn't even thinking. I put the gown on, walked on in there, and then she was born. We were thinking it was going to be a boy, and it was a girl. I'd wanted a girl first, and I, hold, I held that little girl, and my heart melted, and I thought, wow. And then in 1991, my son was born in Irving, Texas. Listen, that was some of the most joyful times of my life. And for your parents, it's no different. They looked forward. They were excited when you were born. And, and, and listen, we, we, we didn't always get it right as parents. But you know what? We do the best we can. We try to figure it out. You got to understand that you're always changing. And for parents, it's hard. I mean, because we get the infant thing figured out, Okay. We do pretty good. We finally get the infant thing figured out. We get a sleep schedule going. We get an eating schedule going. We get the birth phase going. We get all that stuff going. And then you change. And you become a toddler. And everything that we knew doesn't apply anymore. Now we got to learn it all over again. And just about the time we figure you out as a toddler, then you change again, and now you're a pre-adolescent. And that brings us all the other stuff going on. And so we adapt, and we change, and we're trying to figure you out as a pre-adolescent, and then just right about the time we, we get it figured out, you become a teenager. Oh, my goodness. And then we have no clue. None of that stuff worked before, and we just struggle through it. Am I telling the truth? I'm just telling all the kids here and, and, and teenagers, you understand that we're always changing. We're trying to adapt to please you, but it doesn't always get there because you're changing. Parenting involves a lot of changes. And we really do the best we can. We're, we're, but here's the thing, we're on the same team. We're on the same team. Make, uh, you're part of that team. Contribute to the team. Help us. Help us navigate this trickiness of our society today help us do that we're unfamiliar with the junk that's going on today my grandkids can tell me things i didn't know until i was a teenager 
Help us. Another thing you need to know, not only are we a work in progress, but we as parents, we want to trust you. So be trustworthy. Be trustworthy. If you, if you, cultivate, if you cultivate a strong relationship with your parents, be transparent with them and earn their trust. It's important. I will tell you this, raising your voice and slamming the door and throwing a temper tantrum, that only makes, the matter, that only makes matters worse, I promise you. Even if you wear down your parents and they conform to what you want them to, you still will lose in the end because you lose respect and you demonstrate immaturity and it's likely going to come back and bite you in the future. We want to trust you. You need to know, lastly, parents love you. Parents love you. As a Christian father, I knew that, my, that God created my two children with a purpose and a destiny. And it was my job to guide them and mold them for what he wanted them to walk in. And I need you to understand, there is a battle going on right now for your soul. And it scares us as parents. Amen. And this pawpaw, it scares me for my little girls. There's a battle that's raging for the souls of our children. And it's a scary thing. But I want to say to all the teenagers and kids here, we want to get in the trenches with you. We don't want to send you out into a world as, as a sheep into, uh, uh, in, into a wolf's den. We don't want to do that. We want to get in the trenches with you, and we want to help you fight through all these competing values and discover that the life that Christ has for you is where true life is. We want to help you discover that the thing that you're looking for most is not found outside of a relationship with Christ, but it is, it is found in that relationship with Christ. We don't want to battle you. We don't want to be fighting with you. We want to partner with you. Say, come on, devil, hit me the best shot. There's three of us here. Again, parents aren't perfect. And your parents may not. Guys, come on back. Your parents might not even be in the picture Again, we live, it's unfortunate we live in a world with the, the dynamics of the family the way it is. A parent's neglect or abandonment, listen to me, however, does not invalidate God's purpose for your life. Amen. Rise above that and look to what God has. I'm going to ask my son-in-law to come up here for just a moment. I want to do something that kind of, I want to illustrate real quick. So a parent will do everything they can to provide the protection, the love, the support that the family needs. And I could have done it, but he's in better shape than I am, so. <laughs> so, so in a family dynamic, go ahead. Uh, so how many of you want to give me real quick? I, I ask him to do some push-ups for me. Yeah, I know he, he, he did these in youth groups, so I'm going to ask him to do some. Just give me five. Just give me five. Okay? Yeah. So, listen. So, yeah. So he, I mean, as a parent, again, he's working, okay? He's working for the family. He wants to provide. He wants to protect. He wants to encourage. He wants to make sure that you're doing okay. And what I'm saying to the kids is don't fight against him. Fight with him. Audrey, come on up here. So this is my Audrey Claire. Where's my hug? Come here. I did that to her mom, so I got to keep doing the tradition. So, but here's the thing. Dad does a pretty good job if everything's flowing together. But if you start as a child working against him, go ahead and mount the position. 
Audrey, get on top of your daddy. Now go ahead and give me five. So, so now you're just dead weight. If you're fighting against your father, you, you are putting more and more. Emmy, come on up here with me. So now get on top of sister. Now give me five. So, so hang on just a second. So, so you see what's going on here. Dad, Dad wants to be in that rhythm where he's doing it, where he's working, he's protecting, he's serving the family. But if you come along as a kid and you jump on his back and you're not doing anything to help, you're adding to the pressure that he's already under to, to provide for you and take care of you, okay? And the more there are in the family, the more that's going to happen. Here's what you should do. Go ahead one more time. Mount the position. Audrey, get on top. Uh, Emmy, you just stay right there. What happened to your forehead, sweetheart? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> I probably should ask all that before I brought him up here. <laughs> so, so now what I want to do, Audrey, put your hands down, and I want you to help Dad. Do five. See, this is what it should be. You should be working together to take the load off of your parents. It doesn't always happen. When you jump on your parents, when you become that antagonist in your home, you're restricting your, the ability of your parents to do what God's called them to do. What I'm saying is today there's a responsibility for a husband and a wife. There's a responsibility for a dad and a mother. And there is a responsibility for the children. If we follow God's prescription, we can have a happy, durable, unified home that defies the logic of what's happening in our world today. Amen? Won't you stand with me? Thanks, guys. <laughs> we'll be talking about child abuse on my granddaughter. <laughs> Listen, I, I hurt for our families today. I really do. A lot, of, a lot of modern families today came out of broken homes and brokenness. And like I said, we don't... We don't know how to be a dad. We don't know how to be a mom. We don't know how to be a husband, how to be a wife. Most of what we, most of what we do is what we've brought into from what we've been modeled. Sometimes that's a good thing. Sometimes it's not a good thing. And so what's happened? So, what, so what's happened is that we have a bunch of families today that are fractured and fragmented and many of them are falling apart because there was no foundation laid. And, and I'm committing to you as your pastor, we will stand with you today and moving forward. We want to create the, the, the support systems in place through FAM and other places that will stand with you and that will walk with you through the difficult, challenging times. I'm not saying that we have all the answers, that we are know-it-alls. That's not what I'm implying at all. I'm just simply saying there are a lot of people here that have walked through the deep, dark valleys as parents. You look around, and God has blessed us with senior adults here, saints. They've raised kids and grandkids, and they know the, 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 the difficulties, and they've survived, and they still love their kids and their grandkids.
I'm just simply saying we're here to support you and to walk with you. Don't let the world squeeze you into its mold. Break that mold and say, you know what? As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So that's what I want to ask this morning. If you're here today, and again, I know, I know there's dynamics. There's single-parent households. There's grandparents raising their kids. I understand all that dynamic. But if you're here this morning, and, and here a moment we're going to sing, but if you're here, say, you know what, Pastor, today I want to stake a claim and say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Then when they sing, I want you to step out of where you are, and I want you to just join me right down front. You say, why, do I, why can't I do it in my, my seat? Well, you can, but there's something powerful about the altar. There's something powerful about taking that step that says, God, I'm serious about this. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And furthermore, not only am I going to stay in my comforting, comfortable spot, I'm going to step out and boldly declare, devil, you can't have my family. You can't have my husband. You can't have my wife. You can't have my children. You can't have my grandchildren. I'm declaring it publicly today. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. If that's you this morning, maybe you're struggling. Listen, don't wave the white flag yet and say, I quit. Let's put some lawyers out of business. Let's stand on a foundation that is eternal and it never fades. As they sing this morning, you hear say, you know what, Pastor, I'm ready to stake that claim. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. If you need to line down the aisles, you line down the aisles, do whatever you need to do. It's time, church. We got, we're going to fight for our families. We're not going to go out easily. Lord, we're staking our claim. 
am our guide through the wilderness, our guide through the wilderness. Our joy in the heaviness. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Listen, that, that song says, that song says he's unfailing. Jesus told a parable. I'm going to close with a prayer. Jesus told a parable about two men who built a house. One of these men built a house, the Bible says, on sand. The sand would be a type of our world. And the Bible says the, the wind came. The waves crashed against it. The rain pummeled the house and said the house did what? It fell down. But another man built a house and he built it on a rock. And that same storm system came back. The wind, the rain, and the waves, and it beat against that house. But when it passed, even though the house was 
probably tattered and a little torn, the house remained because it was built on a rock. What I'm saying is that your marriage and your family are going to have storms that will come your way. There will be things that will beat against your house. There will be things that will blow against you. There will be things that will pummel you. But if you build on the right foundation, when the storm's over, you're still standing. So what I want to say, everybody online, build on this. Get out of your mind because you don't know better and get in here because he is the author of it all. And when you build on it, it'll last. Father, I pray for every family of Bethel Temple, both here and our online campus, wherever they might be. Lord, as we close out this sermon series, Lord, we've talked about a number of things, but it all points back to the foundation that is established upon your word. Lord, may we fully commit. Lord, as we stand here as families, we say, as for me and my house, we're staking a claim, we will serve the Lord. Lord, the wind may come, the storms may, may blow, but our house will stand founded upon you. Lord, I pray that we get outside of our minds. The world has tried to tell us how to build a family, how to make a healthy, happy home, and it's not worked. So, Lord, we go back to the architect and we find your design. We have a husband's responsibility and a wife's responsibility. We have a dad's responsibility and a wife's responsibility and children's responsibility. Lord, let us learn our role. And then as unto you, may we serve in that role. And as we do, may our homes be a safe haven, a place where peace and joy fill the hallways rather than shouting and yelling. I ask you to do a revival. Let Lord do something among our families. Start a revival in us. Let us become a witness to a lost and dying world that the family unit was your idea and it still works today. I bless in abundance our families today. Go with us. Give us a great day as we celebrate the family together. We declare it in Jesus' name and we all said amen. Amen. God bless you. Love you. Thanks for being with us online. I look forward to seeing you next time. God bless you.